through the worst of the pandemic, now in our quote unquote post-pandemic moment, this deeper sense that, yeah, like group music exists at a level below a series of concerts. Group music represents the effort to build a solidarity ecosystem at the intersection of culture, community, and technology, and to be listening to the possibilities so that we can just be relentlessly reinventing the mode of communion such that it can work in any world. That's what we're really here to do. So that even if the virus is just brutally resurgent and we can't do live concerts again for a long while, Group News can still be here, still providing that system of nourishment, that ecosystem of support. The roots and the right mycelial networks continue thriving underground even when a forest fire takes out takes down all the trees. There's something that's sleeping in the forest that continues to build. That's the story of being a human and For a real. mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Baking Freaking Notes Podcast. Baka, baka. We're back. Woo. How you doing? I'm doing great after that conversation. My mind is blown from this triple fudge chocolate cake of a conversation, my guy. <laughs> wow. So this is going to be a two-parter. We're going to split this sucker up because there's so many gems, so many special moments. Our guest today, Sam Bodkin. He's the founder of Group Muse, and if you have never heard of Group Muse before, it is a platform, an online platform where people who have living rooms or performance spaces get connected with people who want to perform in spaces, mostly chambers. Group Muses are chamber music house parties where hosts invite their friends, Group musers in the area can come by as well, and they invite musicians in the city to perform historical music. And it, it, it creates this entry point into classical music that is unlike any that exists in the institutions. So in this first part, we're talking about Sam's origin story and group muse and just how much he's built, what really makes Sam Sam. And then in part two, we're going to talk about blockchain and the future of the arts community, and potentially the future of Group Muse, and how this can help transform uh, the arts community as we know it. Sam is a mission-driven person. He's got this laser-like focus on building community and helping out artists. He had, a, he had an awesome inspiration that triggered his love into classical music, and he's been going ever since trying to share his moment, share the love, and get back to the roots of music and really the roots of humanity and what makes us human, enjoying experiences and music together. So before we jump into this, you remember to subscribe so you have a brand new episode downloaded into your uh, your little app every week and uh, leave us a review because we like reading reviews here and shouting y'all out for sending us love. Five stars only. If you'd like to directly support us, with your moolah, we've got a Patreon. <laughs> and if you want to talk to us in between the episodes, join our Discord. Uh, we have a lot of fun events in there. We have some great conversations. And it's a great way to stay in touch with us and just become uh, a member of the Faking Fam. Send us your memes. Send us the memes. <laughs> well, without further ado, let's get into part one of our epic conversation with none other than Sam Bodkin. Bodkin. 
I remember when I was speaking with Trevor when we started this podcast two years ago, you're one of the people that I really wanted to bring on from the very beginning. I don't think we haven't spoken in a little while. I've, I moved to LA three years ago and we used to see each other quite often in New York City mm. for your company, Group Muse. And I just remember being so moved by the space that you've created and and I've always wanted to bring you on the show. So I'm just so, I'm pumped for this and uh, faking fam. I hope you're pumped for this too. This is going to be really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm I've, I've been watching from afar at all you've been able to do with communications technology to get the message out there and share the vibe. So I couldn't be more grateful to be here and, and thank you for saying all that. Of course, of course. And Trevor, this is your first time meeting it's nice to meet you. I've been to a number of group muses. To echo what Drew is saying, it's exciting to speak to people who looked out into the world, didn't see enough classical music, or maybe it wasn't in the right places. And instead of just folding the arms, we're like, no, I'm going to make a, a change. And here you are, years later, years into this journey, and it's just mm. come such a long way. And even now, looking into the future, where we're going. So I'm excited to jump right into this because we've got a lot to cover. (laughs) (laughs) For just the faking fam, they tend to be like a a class of people that are a little younger. They're probably like in college or about to graduate college. For those out there who don't know you, can you describe that moment when you first heard Beethoven's Grosse Fuga in your friend's basement Mm. and how that kind of changed your life. Can you bring us back? Absolutely, yeah. You've done your research. How it all began, for sure. Bro, you told me that. I remember that from <laughs> when you told me. <laughs> yeah, then you got Primary it. source. Oh, Primary yeah. source material. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I, was, I was in my buddy's basement, a neighbor of mine who's a cellist, and he was studying at New England Conservatory. I grew up outside Boston in a suburb called Newton, and we were in his basement, doing what you know kids do in basements we were smoking reefer i don't know if we're allowed to say that <laughs> no, <laughs> no we're good yeah no yeah so you can cuss you can do whatever that was marked e. Heck so. Yeah. so we were smoking some reefer and he was working on the piece and he wanted to show it to me and i had fancied myself like a serious music nerd but i didn't know the first thing about classical music i was in bands in high school i had an extensive record collection i was truly like a card carrying nerd, but I was honestly in a bit of a rut in terms of new vibes that I was digging on. And so I was like, yeah, I'll give this Beethoven do this bin. For sure, I'll listen to a piece that, that you're working on. And he put it on for me. And and all of those who are listening who know the gross of Fuga, Fuga know know what it's about, that it's as enigmatic and gnarled and visionary a piece as Beethoven would ever, but really as anyone whatever. And it so shattered my preconceived notions that I brought to classical music, uh, a music about refinement and delicacy. And it's such a fevered, gnarled mass. And it's, it's so vivid and, and intense and really terrifying. And I remember being totally overwhelmed by it at first in the opening when they like lays out the opening motif and then it just gets stacked exactly and it just and yeah you feel like you're going crazy and then through i don't remember through the cacophony broke through this just sublime melodies and that that first time i heard the piece when that sublime melody just it just broke through the clouds i was like wow how 
could I have gone so far not having left my chair over the span of, I guess that's probably four minutes into the piece. And then it just continues to fold in on itself. And by the end, I was just completely breathless. And it was like I say, it just shattered my preconceived notions of what a piece of classical music could be. And that's really where the the journey began. I asked my buddy for a recording. It was the Emerson String Quartet that that had delivered that particular rendition, of Mm -hmm. course. And I listened to it 10 times a day for the next two weeks. And my brain was never the same. And my soul, my spirit were never the same. And so then I, I went to the local public library. I was like, this huge universe of music had suddenly become available to me. And I was yanking anything I could find off the shelf. Schubert, Firms, I've heard of these dudes. They didn't mean anything to me, but I figured they were, they were, it was time. And I stacked my iPod full. Back then it was iPod. I stacked my iPod. Oh, yeah. remember that, remember that the shuffle. This was actually, this was just like, a, this was one of those bricks. It was like 160 gigabytes. It was, oh. the, it was the only thing that could afford my absolutely gluttonous appetite for this music. <laughs> and, and so I became an overnight evangelist and everywhere I went, whether I was waiting in line at Starbucks or walking to class or brushing my teeth, I was listening to some great and ancient vibe that had maintained its integrity through the ages and was being delivered to me through my headphones and just taking me to places that I didn't know I could go. And that mm. is, that's really where it all began. And it was this, yeah, it was a, it was a revelation uh, that, that went far beyond just like what type of music I, I, I liked, but rather extended into what kind of world I wanted to live in and, and how this like deep, this deep feeling that we're as human beings, we're like entitled to more depth and beauty and nuance than our kind of like mainstream culture, our sort of corporate culture is makes available. And so it was this, like I'd say, it was a portal into a deeper and more beautiful world. And it was just so available because you can bring your iPod where you, with you everywhere you go. So that literally means like you could be having a transcendent experience while you're waiting in line for a, whatever you're waiting in line for. And, and that's, yeah. So that's, that's how the story began. It really, it started with that piece, which is funny because I had so much love for more like classically tonal Mozart. I could just sing the praises of until the end of time. And also there's so much melodious Beethoven that means the world to me, but there was something about that piece that was just such a challenge and a front to my, that that's the notions that I brought to the art form that really kind of, it broke the whole thing loose and it made everything available. It was kind of like start, it was like, like swinging a weighted bat. It was like, if I could really dig this thorny shit, then the more melodious stuff just like wine you know what this your rendition reminds me of i actually had an experience like that recently about three years ago when i was listening to verklertenacht for the first for like really sitting down to listen to you hear it at like festivals and you're like whatever everybody just (laughs) learned this two weeks ago this is not going to be like the most the best rendition of this but like i listened to emerson's uh verklertenacht recording with hall neubauer and it was just unbelievable and i had a similar experience where it was like wow the dissonance and like the anguish it's programmatic in ways where it's telling a story in ways that you couldn't do if you wrote it to paper amen it's it's just yeah how would you do that right yeah 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 Yeah. i don't have a question (laughs) each of the (laughs) (laughs) just a resonance i dig it (laughs) 
<laughs> it's funny how for for each of us and for practically and probably every musician, there's always that one piece of that one moment that sticks out. We've listened to thousands of pieces. We've listened to so much music all our life. But for me, it was there was two. It was like Van Halen's Eruption. It's the first burnt CD I was got. It's the first thing I popped in a CD player. I'd never heard sound in my ears like that. And I was just like, this is insane. And then maybe, I guess a year later, it was the first CD I had ever bought was Leonard Bernstein's Recording of the Ride of Spring. Mm. And so I popped that in and I'm like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) And so it it was just like awesome. I was just sitting there just like, you guys, you got to hear this. So yeah. I was big into metal. So I was already like, this is awesome. It just transforms your world. But what I love about your story in particular is that you had such a defining moment about experience of peace, but it's not like you went into the concert hall and had that moment. Right. No, it happens amongst friends with, with a little smoke different. in the basement and you're yeah. having a great time. And so that's a wonderful environment to have these incredible experiences. My experience was with my headphones. I didn't go to a concert. I later on went and saw Van Halen concert and a Ride of Spring concert, but uh, <laughs> but I didn't have those moments there. It was fun, natural, intimate moments. And then what did you do? You had that moment and you didn't just keep it to yourself. You're like, I'm going to make a company <laughs> that's going to create these moments for everyone else. Yeah. And, and you've done it. <laughs> yeah. It was, such, it was such a beam of sunlight into my life. And it, like I'd say, it really felt like it, it opened a portal to a, a world of, of beauty and, and imagination that I just didn't know was there. And I, I grew up in like a really comfortable suburb. I come from a family with a lot of privilege and went to private school. I was being groomed for the kind of the fast track. And yet there was just something spiritually and aesthetically vacuous about the world that I came of age in. And yeah, it was just uninspiring, endless hardscapes of concrete buildings and strip malls. And there was, I I just knew on some level that there was something deeper, something more beautiful out there for me. And the fact that Beethoven provided that opening to me was this moment where I was like, wow, it like there, there, Deeper, more beautiful things are available. It's just a question of how to make those connections with people, how to, how to condition the space so that people can really resonate with these deeper impulses. And, and so there was, it, it wasn't like group news was like the, 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 the first thing that came to mind. At first, it was just like, I just want to make see, mix CDs of this stuff for people. I just want to get the word out just manually in any way that I could. Anyone who expressed any interest in the art form, I was just like, I will make you a CD. You're going to love this. Let me know what you dig. I'll make you more. Uh, and it took a, a, a few years before the group news really came into focus as, as an idea. But I knew almost immediately that the calling for me was to become an evangelist for this art. And yeah, so that's, that's what I've been doing basically ever since. And, and group news was just that the landing pad for that, for that intention. And once it started, it couldn't be stopped. It's it. You described it that it had a self-building mechanism baked into it. Can you describe that for our audience? What you mean by Group Muse being a platform that's self-building? Absolutely. Yeah, we've been able to spread across the landmass and also internationally without really any marketing budget at all, because every Group Muse 
has the, the, the crowd building mechanism is, is like you mentioned, built into the very experience. Someone hosts a group news and they invite all their friends along, anyone who they might invite to a birthday party. So half the crowd there are friends, the host, and then half the crowd uh, is returning group users, people who are just have accounts on groupnews.com and who go on the regular. And so with each event, we are tapping into new social scene. And at each event, the host or a group news representative stands before the crowd and says, this is what this is about. If you want to bring this experience into your home, into your world, consider hosting a group news. And maybe you'll find two or three hosts at a group news and they host their own and they invite their friends along. And so it grows out in this, in this pattern that, like I'd say, it took us across, it took us all the way from Boston to the West Coast. And, and it really, yeah, it, it, I, I think part of the reason why group news has been a success is because it has two pillars to its mission. It's not just about evangelizing this great art form that is so worthy of attention. It's also about community building in a joyous way at a time when it's like particularly hard to find people that you might resonate with, not because it's hard to find those people aren't out there, but because society as it stands doesn't really afford us the space to connect in a low key and, and uh, energetically uh, wholesome way. It's like, where do you actually make friends? You go to the club. That's not really a place to make friends. You go to a bar, you go with friends. How are you going to actually expand your scene at a group news? You have a group of people who are there for a common reason to share this great music all together. And there's something that there's an experience that we go through together and invariably at intermission and especially after the second half of the music, the volume of the conversation in the room just goes through the roof because we've gone somewhere together. And especially if it's the Grosafuga or Schoenberg or mm -hmm. Stravinsky, we've gone someplace like maybe scary together, someplace unfamiliar, and we are fuller for it. And, and it's, we all just feel more alive in ourselves and, 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 and thereby freer to just express and conversation flows and, and real relationships are built. So the, the way we've been able to bring classical music to a new crowd of people is specifically by targeting this very separate issue of like, how do you make friends in society? Where are the wholesome spaces to resonate with people? who you can actually relate to in a way that can grow. And the fact that we were able to answer that question through this classical music experience meant that we were able to deliver this music to a much, a much more diverse swath of audiences than has been classical music has, has typically focused on because everyone needs friends. Everyone needs more ways to connect in our increasingly isolating world you know connection is the future so much of our energy is being put towards in the business space right because we realized it the first couple of attempts facebook reddit right. uh twitter they've had some issues they've had some issues <laughs> but it's we're, we're still trying to figure out how to make those connections and i love how you lead it with that because we all love classical music drew and i you know we've got plenty of degrees in it we spend a lot of time on classical music but the thing we love even more than that is relationships, is right. friends, is the community it builds. And mm -hmm. a lot of what inherently happens in the classical music landscape as it exists today 
isn't super friendly. It's like famous for not being friendly. You get 60 people on stage in an orchestra and you don't hear from any of them. They come out there, they bow. There's like this invisible wall. Everyone's over, audience here, orchestra there. They don't talk. And when they do, it's like uninteresting stuff. Right. That like half the audience doesn't, they don't care what key it's in. Um, How should it make them feel? And so there's just this weird thing. Audience, everyone claps and then they walk off stage. No one goes backstage to hang out with them. You don't see that in other types of music. Like everyone's like, I got to get VIP access. I want to hang out with them. I'm going to see what they're eating on on Instagram tomorrow. And they build this community. But you don't see that in classical music. And I think that's something that what you're working towards, what's helping uh, change, because that's essential. All the research is showing how important. 100% 100% friendship is. Yeah. Yeah. And you say that's what that's what we're building towards. And it is. But it's also where we come from. And this like moment of like profound alienation and isolation is actually a relatively recent phenomenon. You go back 500 years. It wasn't like like music was community. They were inextricably bound. And that music, that's its essential evolutionary purpose is to create a mode of communion that is that that resonates at a le- at a level below language we we community build through making music and and that's been humans that's our evolutionary advantage is our capacity to create connection to create relationship so that we can you know ward off the elements or saber-toothed tigers or whatever it is mm-hmm. and music is what allows us to connect and see one another uh, without getting caught up in words and ideology and and partisanship. And so to me, it's kind of like the most obvious thing in the world that, that every musician is a community builder. Every musician creates a field around them that people can share in and then turn to one another and be like, hey, you know what? You're a human and I am too. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just like bask in that for a moment. As opposed to objectifying someone, identifying them, putting them in some box, putting someone else in another box, and just like staying this kind of like bulb in a world of billiard balls colliding. I really feel like the musician, that's like the evolutionary purpose of the musician is to hold court so that people can be together in, in, in the glow of this bizarre phenomenon that we call music. And yeah, it's, 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 it's the direction that we're going in, but it's also where we've come from and how we we've been able to inherit the source in the first place. Mm. That's beautiful. You, one thing that's so awesome about you, Sam, is like you express yourself in a way that's so beautiful and it's musical. You use <laughs> words like, like you're, you're playing music, man. I don't know if you've ever been told that before, but I appreciate that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I think that there's a very deep connection between words and music. And actually in recent years, I've taken to making my own music for a very long while for my, yeah. my entire adult life. All I did was act as an evangelist for other types of music because mm-hmm. I loved classical music, but I couldn't make it myself. Forget about me even trying. But in these past few years, I've actually gotten really serious about making my own music, which is just folk music. I just, I just write folk songs about the moment. And I really see the resonance between between words and music. It's all just, it's about flow. It's about, it's about just letting, letting the thing pour forth. And, Mm. and I'll say that I feel that to a large extent, the reason why we talk to each other is not because we necessarily want to say something. We just want to commute so much Mm. of the time when you're making small talk, it's not actually about 
oh, I need to prove to you this or I need to prove to you that. It's just, I just want to feel like we belong together. So we're just making noises with our mouths. And sometimes when we get too wrapped up in the words, we, we make these assumptions like, oh, you're a different type of person than me. And so we actually shouldn't be friends. We shouldn't be talking. But my feeling is like, we should all just carry around drums. And like, if we want to commune with one another, just share the words. Let's just like drum together a little bit. Just make beats. Just make, let's yeah, just yeah, like, let's like, cook in the stew. Talk about NKPS and just Yeah, exactly. It's about, it's about attunement. It's about co-regulation. It's about communion. It's about mm. resonating. It's, it's, and, and, and yes, words can also be used to build like abstract palaces of ideas. And that can be super useful. It can also be incredibly damaging because how our words are perpetually used against us for the sake of propaganda or for selling this thing or for selling this thing or putting someone in this category to divide and conquer as, as is always the, the drive of the centralizing powers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're getting into that whole thing. Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. I heard the C word centralized. Let's go. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's hold, yeah, yeah. pull it back for a second. Right. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, no. but I, I want to emphasize that I do think that for the most part, like words, conversation, it is a form of music making and, and we need to acknowledge it as such and say, yeah, music came first. Jamming came first. And that's what, yeah. that's what evolutionary biologists believe, that music predates language. What does that tell us? We, we've mentioned a few times on here, and I, just, I, go, I go to this point a bunch, is that the earliest cave drawing, besides like hunting, is them making music. That's, right. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of year old flutes and drums and, and like and and think of what they had to do to survive they had right. to not get killed by the saber-toothed tiger if i eat this mushroom i'm gonna i'm gonna find god and if i eat this one i'm gonna <laughs> die and like this one makes me feel awesome and so like they're going through so many things just to survive and yet they're taking time to yeah. paint on the wall about music making and make yeah. instruments it's such a core thing of who we are and as we know humans we're designed to be together yeah. And that's something we've bumped into more and more recently for somehow we're more connected. There's more of a, more of us than ever before. And yet we're all so lonely yeah. and researchers showing they're like, Hey, like being, being alone is just as dangerous as smoking X amount of Back like a cigarettes day. a day yeah, or something day. like that. Yeah. And what can we do to, to bridge that gap? There was, there was a recent journalist who studied this. He was like, how to make friends if you're a guy <laughs> in your thirties. Like that yeah. was it. He was like looking around. He's like, wow, most that. men's friends <laughs> are someone they made in adolescence and they're around. And so what he advocated for, most men bond over shoulder to shoulder activities, which is instead of facing each other, always conversing, it's Incredible. their kids at the sports game. Yeah. It's their kids doing this. It's them in the military. It's them at a sports events to where they're experiencing something together. And so he started to notice that's where people were getting new best friends later in mm. life to where traditionally mm. that's been left behind. And mm. so what better way to do that in music and amongst music? Like you said, it's something, it's innate within us. It's buried in there. And there's just something really, really beautiful about that and a necessity essential yeah essential really. i wanted to ask about folk music so folk music has got a soft spot in my my heart i love playing yeah. the mandolin just for fun like i experience mm -hmm. folk music in just a fun off the cuff way but what i like about it and it seems like it'd be a natural fit for you in that it's such a history-based thing yeah. Like you, every song you sing 
even if the words like none of the, we don't have tin pans or anything like that anymore yes. or not, nine pound hammers but i don't know how much hammer weighs we might still have this but uh, <laughs> so much of it is still really relatable to us yeah. now you can sing the same song from 100 years ago yeah. and it feels connected and i think that might be some of the distance that classical music can have because it's not often presented in a way that feels like now. It feels like only history, not connected to right. the now. Right. And yet I'm trying to find ways to open up that like, no, this, this can be for now, but it's difficult. Could you maybe just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I think there's, there's a paradox here around, around how we think about classical music versus like folk music or rock music or have, however you want to refer to that entire body of work that not classical music. And it's, and I do feel like classical music has this reputation as being like antiquated or trapped in the past. But for me, the irony is that Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, if you listen to it today, it's the exact same thing that they listened to in the summer of 1967. That's the, and I love Sgt. Pepper's and will listen to it oh, for yeah. the rest of my life. But it just moves further and further in the past. Whereas definitionally, a work of music that is on a piece of paper and that's the artifact can only be realized in the present moment so it stands as this this eternal reminder of our connection to the past how the past can live in the present how the impulses and insights and revelations that come from centuries ago can be made to live in our moment and that and so there's this way in which i feel like recorded music is much more it, it's much more like documents a moment that is only getting farther and farther in the past. Whereas classical music's power is you can constantly bring, bring the, the past into the present. And, and, I, and I feel like that is something that our generation needs so badly. I feel like that grounding in some sort of ancestral past, some connection to our elders, our, our transgenerational elders that go way back is something that it provides a type of grounding, a sort of spiritual grounding in our own lives, in our own cultural moment that we, again, are prevented from accessing if, if we're just feeding off of mainstream centralized culture that constantly wants us to forget that there's such thing as a past so that they, that they can constantly be selling us the same line of bullshit that they have mm. for the past 50, 100, 200 years, but that our strength comes from our connection to the past. And if we can, if we can really make those linkages and say, like, I am a human, my humanness resonates on a level that is so far beyond the blink that my life represents. And, and I really feel as a mode of ancestral communion, classical music is so powerful. It really is about celebrating the greats of our past. And when I say our past, the human past, obviously, when we talk about classical music, we are talking about one specific cultural lineage. Yeah. And, and yeah. I should also say that in, in, uh, in this last year, group news has made the move from focusing exclusively on Western classical music to what we are more broadly describing as historical music so mm. that it can be a space for that mode of communion with any historical musical tradition. Because truly, there's nothing I love more than the Grotes of Fuga, but there's nothing like inherently supreme about western classical music it is so great because it survived it's like time has been this powerful guarantor of quality because they're all these kind of like second rate 
composers who have not fared as well as Beethoven, your uh, Louis Fors and your uh, Stamitzes. And all. I like these guys, but Thomas can eat a dick. Take that dinner's door. Like, we have a concerto by the dude. And I'm like, yeah, ah, like that guy. we don't yeah. need this. <laughs> For real. No, I, I think that's some, that's some old truth that, that Thomas is in need of hearing. No, but, but, but for real, I think that the fact that it's moved through the ages and is available in this moment speaks to its durability and how it says something that like it it, is too deep to forget. And so, and so I, I, I feel every cultural practice, every cultural voice, every, every way has its musical history and group news wants to be a space that can can, can celebrate all of it because let's be honest, the Eurocentrism is just, it's not cutting it in the world today. Like we, that's not acceptable to say that there are these temples of music, but only music made by white European dudes can be shared here. And, and that's not to say that this music shouldn't be shared and celebrated. It needs to be shared and celebrated, but we need to, we need to make it a bigger tent so that we also have space for Burmese court music and Indian classical music and all, all that we are so blessed as the human, the human people to have so many different forms of music that have moved through the centuries. And I focus for me, I really, that is one of the really distinct magical powers of classical music and all forms of historical music. It is that mode of ancestral communion because at a time when it's okay, where there are so many systems that are failing and there's so much misery and alienation. Where do we derive our strength from? Where do we derive meaning and beauty from? And looking to what sustained human community for centuries and then millennia feels like a pretty darn good place to start because I think American culture is so relentlessly future focused and that has birthed all kinds of techn technological wizardry and, and innovation that in a lot of ways has done a great service to humanity. And also we're at the precipice of ecological collapse. So there's a problem there. There's a lot of like forward looking energy, a lot of like ascent oriented energy and not a lot of looking back ancestral honoring and looking to the roots. We're all about the fruits. We're not focusing on the roots on the and we're all about bars. the, you know what I'm saying? That the, the Holy father, what about the earthly mother? You know what I mean? Part of the power of this music and part of the message that I, I, hope to be a part of delivering is that we need to honor the past. It is who we are. All of those hands, all of those decisions built the world that we're inheriting in this very moment. We can't say anything about the future. We don't know what is to come, but we can say that everything that has ever been done up until this point enabled us to be in this moment. So just focusing on that and really trying to celebrate its finest moments, its deepest beauties feels like such a powerful way to ground in this present as we move forward into an unknown future. And if we can replicate the successes of the past, right. look at the errors of the past and, and refuse to make yeah. those errors, like mm -hmm. we can live a better world in the future. And I think a great example of that, I think being a classical musician has made me a natural historian. My yeah. Grandfather was a historian, uh, a history professor at Georgia State University. He was a civil rights leader in Atlanta, walked along, marched along Martin Luther King, had bookshelves of history books. So mm -hmm. I have 
you're you're preaching to the choir, so to speak, when it comes to history and its importance. And I think the most recent lack of application of history is the 1918 Spanish flu and and how mm-hmm. it, it it rhymed so clearly. It was not just a near rhyme. It's like bar for bar, yeah. syllable for syllable. Yeah. You can't like you have anti-maskers, you have people who uh say the pandemic is a hoax. The president in in the White House at the time, Woodrow Wilson, sat on his hands and also called it a hoax in, in so many Woodrow words. Wilson's yeah. Woodrow Wilson can Woodrow eat a dick Wilson. too. Yeah, he can eat a For real. Dick. I hate, I hate that fucking man. No, he was he was not a friend to to the black people, I will say that. And also hard, Yeah, he was hardly a friend to anyone that especially, but I would also yeah. I mean I could blame I mean I could blame him for World War Two if I wanted to. I know yes, I exactly I seriously would. I would blame exactly. him for World War II. The Marshall <laughs> Plan, yeah. taxing making Germany pay for everything. Like Fucking stupid, fucking yeah. stupid. And he was a real oh man. But yeah. see, these are these are past mistakes, right? Right. And so, to your point, I think that if we look to the past and use maybe music as like this museum yeah. of these stories, these past yeah. stories, it allows people an entry point into the past that makes it feel like it's still here. Yeah, like we are a result of it, and I, it I think that that's here. so beautiful. And yeah. it is here, and that's the trans-dimensional kind of mystical power of this stuff. The past is here when a Beethoven string quartet can unfold. Yeah, it's mm. actually it's your all you you are a living embodiment of this intention that has carried through. Like it's yeah. magical, and and I think that we yeah. we need to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Can I can I segue into the next? Yeah. Question. You created a cultural phenomenon, like you and your team, you forged a tool that allows people, just like in the 1800s, to bring people to their homes, to their parlors, to their mm. chambers, to host a concert and to match with the best, but you used the f- today's technology to allow the musicians of today, some of the, gr- the si- any given city's latest and greatest musicians to come to these chambers mm. and perform music to commune. What The only way I can really describe it, the word I would describe this is, is as magic. So we, being at the helm of a ship like this that produces magic like a fucking Hogwarts, like <laughs> during a time where people were forced to be, to be apart, what were the thoughts that were going through your brain as the Panny D began? Yeah. You know what I mean? What yeah. was going through your head? Yeah, it was a very live conversation on the team, obviously. What I'll say is that in January of 2020, two months before the Panty D, we had over 200 group muses created in that month alone. In New York Whoa. City, we had 76. Just in New York Whoa. City in that one month. It was like we were really like, and we've been hitting our stride and hitting our stride, but it was like, wow, it was really getting getting someplace else and i was playing la i was playing a bunch with daniel in la thank you so much thank you for holding it down dude of course bro i got (laughs) you man anyway (laughs) (laughs) but so but so when the when the pandemic came around there was definitely there was this question of can we of course like we were like everyone else oh is this just gonna last two weeks do we just need to pod things for two weeks we'll see but there was definitely there was this there is this dreaded sense that it was just not responsible in the least to gather people at this moment and so we did have to just put the kibosh on live events naturally but it also became so clear 
that musicians were just like up shit's creek. They were completely left out to dry. And so the first thing that we did was we organized a fundraiser, just an emergency fundraiser for our community of musicians. And we raised $25,000 in a flash to just pay musicians a nice, healthy minimum for every group news that was canceled because of the pandemic. Uh, and we did that, like I'd say, in a flash. It was a moment where we realized, wow, we actually like, we still, we hold so many connections that, that want that had of, of of actors who want to make this music live in ways it never has before there is so much support that is pouring forth from our community and team member scotty was the first one who was like we gotta give online a try we have to give online a try and I'm like we're all like yeah we do with this kind of like ecosystem engagement we do and mm -hmm. and and that first that first couple months was like a total a resounding, staggering success. And we were raising musicians way more money than we had even in the living room. Your average musician at a virtual group news makes twice as much as they do in the living room. And, and, and it's not the same. That's like over $300. It's not and, the it's, same thing. and it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, but, but it speaks to uh, a deeper structure, a deeper intention. And it really changed the way that at least I think about Groot News, that Groot News is not just a network of concerts that happen in living rooms. Those are the occasion by which we can build the solidarity network among musicians and audience members and music lovers. And, 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 and it's part of this wish to just, just so to weave together the world and to create a, a, a community based on deeper values that the, the, these values that, that believe that like communion is eternal and music is essential. And, and we are more than just like lonely market actors that, that we have this deeper wish to, to be part of something that connects us to our ancestral past, hundreds of years in the past, sometimes thousands of years in the past, depending on the musical tradition. And, and that, so that's kind of, that was, that was the switch that happened where it was like, wow, group news is more than just a bunch of concerts. Group news is this network of people who are on fire with the same dream. And so the concerts are like, that's where the joy, that's where the corporeal com communion can really happen. And I think it's irreplaceable and I miss it so deeply. We're back, obviously there are plenty of group news happening everywhere, but, but, um, real life group uses, but it was, it, 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 the live experience was something that I missed very, very deeply. And yet what was ultimately the most important thing is connecting musicians to people who love music and care about music and want to support music, which means supporting musicians. And that everyone knows that if musicians leave the art form because the ecosystem can't, can't make this shift, doesn't have the flexibility or the resilience to, to, to thrive in a pandemic and quote unquote post pandemic world and musicians leave the trade. That's the end of this art form. There's that, that's it. And so it became existential. And so even though we weren't doing the thing that we knew how to do best, our work was kind of had never been more important because now we were actually indispensable for musicians who otherwise didn't have gigs, otherwise didn't have ways of making money, sharing their music connecting to people who could support them on their path. And, and that is something that is something that really has held through the worst of the pandemic now in our quote unquote post pandemic 
moment, this deeper sense that, you know, yeah, like group music exists at a level below a series of concerts. Group news represents the effort to build a solidarity ecosystem at the intersection of culture, community, and technology, and to be listening to the possibilities so that we can just be relentlessly reinventing the mode of communion such that it can work in any world. That's what we're really here to do. So that even if the virus is just brutally resurgent and we can't do live concerts again for a long while, Group News can still be here, still providing that system of nourishment, that ecosystem of support. The roots and the right mycelial networks continue thriving underground, even when a forest fire takes out, takes down all the trees. There's something that's sleeping in the forest that continues to build. That's the story of being a human and for a real. mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so old, dude. For all of us, and Drew and our own like personal projects and business projects and all these things is when the pandemic hit. So many people, more than I can count on my hands, hands and toes, fingers and toes, how many people had to leave. Yeah. They were 10 months in, rent's got to get paid. There was nothing out for them. And they just weren't put in the best position to either be adaptable or something else, whatever it was. And it breaks my heart. There will be some silver linings. Some of these people, that might honestly be the best decision. They're going to be like happy. They might love it. They're new, creatively fulfilled. And I like applaud them for that. But I just hate for the fact that so many of them didn't actually get the choice. They didn't even get to make that conscious choice. It's been nice to see other people going out there looking at the seriousness of the problem. How are we going to sustain? Yes, sustain the art form, but also just sustain these people who've been making the art form, who've been carrying the torch. The torch like got laid down for a second. So I'm, I'm like happy that there's been people out there like you advocating for and fighting. <laughs> <laughs>